So this morning, Father, we want to thank you for Jesus. We want to thank you for the wonderful God that you are to us in so many different ways where exactly we need you. You know our needs and you supply it. And you look after us in uh, not only the finances, but in our body, soul, and spirit requirements. And we thank you that this morning your word will have its way and that it will fall upon good soil. And we thank you for the spirits of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. Let it go and penetrate into every heart, every mind. And we might come to know the will of God for this hour and what it is that you are saying to the church. And we might be prepared in every way to know exactly what to do and to receive what has been done by you on the cross. We give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Fools do not believe in foolish things of this world. Fools do not believe in foolish things of this world. To them, it makes no sense. So they remain foolish. God, on the other hand, uses the foolish things of this world. Hallelujah. And it just so happens that you and I are the foolish things of this world. But fools reject foolish things. Fools say there is no God. But you and I know that there is a God. And that He picked us up out of the mighty clay and saved us. And because we are the foolish things of the world, the world rejects us. As long as we portray a human side to our relationship with each other, there is an acceptance. But the moment we mention the name of Jesus, or we say we are a Christian, Rejection kicks in. And before long, you know, in some form or another, people will silently or violently move away from you. So if they are rejecting you, they are actually rejecting Jesus because Jesus lives in us. Amen? So the bottom line is that either way, whether they reject you or they reject Jesus, they reject Jesus. And this is where the problem is in today's world and society. So rejection that comes to you, you know, by the ways of man, should not be taken personal. Amen? Because if you do take it personal, you'll get offended and hurt. But the Lord wants us not to receive offense as though it is an attack on us, but to understand that it is an attack on Him. Amen? And when you do that, when you, when you do that, then you don't end up condemning yourself, nor receiving the rejection that comes towards you. The important thing to understand in our walk with God is that God 
through Jesus accepts you. Amen? God through Jesus accepts you. God could not accept you without Jesus. He had to accept you with and through Jesus. Amen? This is very important to understand. And once you realize that you are accepted, then there is no condemnation. There is no rejection that is coming from heaven. Maybe it will come on an earthly plane. Maybe it will come from demonic forces. But it will not come from heaven because God has accepted you through Jesus. Let's go to our proof text this morning in the book of Romans chapter 4 and verse 5. The title of my message this morning is the exchange on the cross. Romans chapter 4 and verse 5. It's an amazing verse because it says something here that could change our theology and our understanding and our practice of Christianity. Romans chapter 4 verse 5 But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. See, we have a scenario here that when God asked Jesus to go and die, die on the cross for us, He made Him a non-negotiable offer. Think about it. If you want your inheritance, you're going to have to die on the cross for them. Non-negotiable. No other way. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except they come through me. Non-negotiable offer. In the same way, when we come to the cross with our faith, it's a non-negotiable offer. That you cannot get to heaven, you cannot get to the Father, you cannot get anywhere after this lifetime unless you accept the cross. And what took place on the cross. And only and only then will you be able to access God in His fullness and what it is that God has prepared for you and me. See the rich young ruler in the Bible came to Jesus and said, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, keep the law. Which he said, well, I've been doing that since I was a little kid. And Jesus said, yes, well done. But now, go and sell everything you have. And then take up your cross and follow me. Non-negotiable offer. This is something we need to understand. Especially in the times that we are living in. Why is it that this scenario outplays itself consistently in our walk with God? The cross is always there, it's not gone anywhere, it's always there. Only the person who died on the cross is not there. Okay, but the cross is there. And it's a gateway through which you enter into the realm of the Spirit of God and the blessings and receive everything that God has for you. 
I believe that the cross is there because God wants to know whether you will keep His commandments. And His number one commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and strength. Number one commandment. When I was in a church in Sydney, we had a Ukrainian lady get up and give a testimony. And she talked about having a severe headache while she was in church, screamed, fell down and died. She came out of her body and she entered into absolute darkness. And then in the far distance she could see a pinprick of a light. And she realized she could swim towards it, so she began to swim towards it. And as she got closer, the light became bright. Till it was so bright, you know, it was hard to even look at. And then she entered into this light. When she entered into this light, she saw Jesus. And Jesus looked at her and only asked her one question. Do you love me? Same question. When you look at the cross, that keeps coming back to us. Do you love me? We can verbalize it. We can mouth it in so many different ways. And she said this. She said, when you are in that light, and when that question or such a question is put to you, you are absolutely naked in your consciousness. There's nothing that you can hide into or find a bush or a boulder or a tree or something. She said it's absolutely open to the scrutiny of Christ. And he knows exactly what it is that you are going to say and what it is that you are thinking. When we come to worship the Lord, whether it be song, giving, preaching, whatever it is, if we do not come with an absolute to sacrifice, take up your cross. See, many of us come in through those doors with burdens rather than with joy. And we're sitting here hoping that something is going to happen to release us from that burden. That is our greatest need and our greatest focus, but it is not God's focus. It's not God's focus. He already knows about your problem before you even came to this church. His focus is, do you love me? You might consider that to be selfish of God. But it's not. There's a reason behind it. So God asked the same question of His Son and said, do you love me? Then die on the cross for my people. Do you love me? See, we talk about love. We talk about the sacrifice of God as love through Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So love is exemplified 
on the cross. It is the same way love is exemplified when you take up your cross. What is your cross? The cross is what Jesus tells you to bear. That's what your cross is. Right? Bear ye one another's burdens. Wow, that's a big job, Lord. Because some of the burdens that I see on my people, I don't want to carry. So, yet God says that if you love me, right? If you love me, you will keep my commandments in John 14, 15. You will keep my commandments. But then he goes on to say, if you love me, you will also love your fellow man, your brother and your sister, and the unsaved, in the way that he wants you to. You cannot predetermine for yourself that your act or your speech or your thought towards someone else is an act of God's love. It may be an act of your love, but it might not be an act of God's love. So showing kindness and uh, you know doing those sort of things that please the flesh or please another person is not necessarily what God wants you to do, nor is it God's love. It seems that it goes deeper than that. He's not rejecting your baking a cake and giving it to someone or giving them money or blessing them or you know doing nice, saying nice things to them. He's not negating any of that. But he's saying, listen, don't live in that frame of mind. Because you have not yet gone to the cross. You have not yet taken your cross to go the way, the pathway that I went. Though you don't actually get nailed to the cross, you crucify the flesh and follow me. That's the cross. Crucifixion of the flesh is the cross. Amen? Amen. So, when you are naked in your consciousness before God, what chance do you have? Absolutely nothing. Zero. Zilch. He, he knows and he's waiting for your response. And if you verbalize something that's not true, he will tell you. You may think he has received it, but he hasn't. Because he hasn't told you. It falls to the ground. Yeah. People say, Lord, Lord, but they don't follow me and they don't keep my commandments is what Jesus said. And there are many, many such people in the world today who go to church. But they do not have that openness that assurance that Jesus loves them and cares for them and that they don't need to hide anything from Him. Mm. Amen? They don't need to receive condemnation or destruction in any form because He did it on the cross for you and I. Now, the burden upon us is to love one another. And above all, to love God. So if we can exemplify these two things, we would be on a straight and narrow path. We would be on a journey towards God and towards the place that He has prepared for us. You see, what worries me and concerns me 
It's the way people speak of love and the way they quote scriptures about love. And many speak of the love of God and not being separated from the love of God. They like to take that verses, those verses in the Bible and quote them, quote them. But they fail to understand. Okay, and this has been my bugbear all along. Is they fail to understand that they can remove themselves from the love of God. It's not God who's removing himself from us, but we who remove ourselves from God. But yet we have the visage, we have the image, we have the form of godliness. Right? It's hitting, it's hitting home towards, you know, examining your own heart. Before you take up something concerning the cross, are you big enough, strong enough to take up the cross? Obviously not. You and I are not. So we have to bow down to Jesus and we have to say, Lord, strengthen me so that I can lift the cross up. So how, how do you separate yourself from God's love? Here's someone, <laughs> take a husband and a wife. One person loves the other more. Okay, and they're reaching out. The person who loves more reaches out. But the one who loves less moves away. Because they have found some faults or there have been some disappointments or discouragements along the way or something else has taken place that does not, you know, want them to love back. Even though this love is still being extended. Reason being that the person who is extending the love is unshiftable, non-negotiable. Think about it. To you, in your mind, they are non-negotiable. He is non-negotiable. He is non-negotiable. Don't try to negotiate with him. You cannot give enough money to buy his salvation. Don't negotiate with him. Don't do all the works in the world and say, Lord, I've done all the works in the world. Now I'm negotiating with you. Let me in. He said, no. You can't negotiate with him. Because he died on the cross, not you and me. Amen? So when you find that someone is non-negotiable, but extending love, okay, uh, maybe a tough kind of love, maybe a hard kind of love, that you are not happy with, and you are looking for something else. What you do is you build your own kingdom, you build your own monuments, you build your own altars. And then you say, I don't really need this person who is extending love. I'll have the form, so you keep your marriage. But you don't love. What kind of marriage is that? Christ is not looking for a marriage like that. You think you're getting away with it, but you're not at all getting away with it because he's going to bring accountability. And the reason he brings accountability is because he loves us. Not because he hates us, but because he loves us. That's why he brings the accountability.
You see, we slip away from the love of God through lust, through the pursuit of power, through the pursuit of ambition, and above all, the biggest one is idolatry of self. Idolatry of self is the number one thing that God hates. Which is pride. Idolatry is pride. And you say, oh, no, no, I'm not a proud person. Well, you haven't come into the light yet. You have you're probably coming close to the cross, but you haven't come into the light. You haven't gone past the cross into the light. You wouldn't have gone into the light unless you went to the cross in the first instance. Yeah, I did I got saved 25 years ago and then I've lived my own lustful life. Hey, hang on a second. That was 25 years ago. What are you doing back on this side of the cross? You should be on the other side of the cross 25 years from now. Walking in the light, speaking in the light, teaching in the light, receiving in the light. Amen. But you're still living in the past of your past glories. And the things you used to do that you enjoyed so much and loved so much that you cannot leave that to come to the Christ, your husband, and he's wooing, and he's wooing, and he's calling. What do you think is going on outside in the world? I'm telling you, two things are happening. One is there's a wooing going on for the bride of Christ, saying, get your hearts right. Do you love me? The second thing that's going on is the kingdom of darkness is falling. The kingdom of darkness is falling. So you know what happens before something like that happens? Is that there's an explosion of evil. And it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. There's going to be even further things that come that are much worse than this. Okay? And, and, and it's going to be an explosion of evil because there's going to be an atomic explosion of love coming very soon. And who is sufficient for these things? Can we actually, you know, prophesy and then live it out and prepare and position? Perhaps a little bit, but not too much. So what is it? It's the dependence. It's the dependence on the one who loves you. That's what the key is to walking with God. Now you might say, no, you're talking nonsense. You're talking on the top of your head. It doesn't say anywhere in the word of God that God will remove his love. No, he does. I'm not saying that he won't remove his love. What I'm saying is we can. Okay? We can. And that's dangerous, a very dangerous position. Let's go to the book of Revelation. Chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Verses 4 and 5. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, this is Jesus writing to the book, to the church of Ephesus. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, 
Because thou hast left thy first love. Oh. Who's left? These guys left their first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. So now they've fallen. And repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Wow. What kind of words do you expect from your loving Jesus? When you go in his presence, you want to hear, well done, my faithful servant. But what if you hear words like this? You can't even imagine. You see, because you never equate Jesus to someone who can say something like that. You've built an image of Jesus that's not true. Because you're quoting other chapters and other verses and, and, and alluding to that and trying to claim that and negotiate with God on that. And he says, you do not understand the full gospel, nor do you understand me fully. That's why he wanted to give us the spirits of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. Pause and open their eyes that they may see. They might know who this Jesus is now seated upon the throne, ruling and reigning. Hey listen, he, the one who was talking to Apostle John there was the Alpha and the Omega. Hey. Not, not the sweet little Jesus who walked on the earth. We're talking about the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher, uh, a sharp sword out of his mouth, fires coming out of his eyes, his feet burning like brass. He was alive and burning and he was ready to bring his judgments upon the earth and it has begun. Yeah. It has begun. Where are you? Where are you? You know, in Ephesus he says, he commends them on all the works they have done. He said, wow, you guys have done a great job in lifting my name up and doing the works that I wanted you to do. But you have left this one thing out. Five out of the seven churches that he wrote to had left something out. And he threatened every one of them that he would remove their candlestick unless they repented. So, you know, you cannot repent of something unless you know what you're repenting of. Simply going to God and saying, I'm sorry, you know, I made a mistake. Not good enough. My grandson often comes to me and says, sorry, he has done something. I said, not good enough, man. Do you know why you're saying sorry? Because he's worked it out that if he says sorry, he gets a little lapse in uh, a rebuke. That's what we do. We just flick a sorry out of our mouths to the left and we continue on our journey. Even to one another. Even to one another. We don't stop to think that we have truly made a mistake. And repent of it so that we do not go back to that kind of mentality and thinking 
And God wants us to understand that we must walk in some way that is pleasing to Him. I exhort you, keep the fire burning. Keep that first love fire burning. The first love fire burning is the Rima word. When you meditate upon the word, when you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, it is ignited by the Holy Spirit. It was first in, inspired by the Holy Spirit that the prophets and the teachers and the writers wrote it down. And now it is ignited by the fuel of the Holy Spirit as you meditate upon the word. And then it becomes Rima. When it becomes Rima, you begin to understand the love. It's not a quick answer for a bad solution on the earth. It's a lifelong answer for eternity to be with Christ. Christ never does anything in the temporary. He always does things in the eternal. We must get an understanding of that. That you are and I am an eternal being. So anything he does with us always translates to eternal things. Amen. God is wanting to touch us in a way that we've never been touched before. See, I, I, I'm of the really sad feeling that many, many Christians are suffering unnecessarily. And my ministry is to the body of Christ. And I weep and I try to talk to people, but they reject me because they are rejecting the words of Christ that come through me to bring them to a point of repentance and change and that is only the first step and then after that the acceptance of what God is blessing you with many have rejected their blessings many they have not even seen it they have not even understood it when it has come to their doorstep and they are suffering unnecessarily because they don't understand the exchange that Jesus made on the cross he, he could go to God now. He didn't have to negotiate anymore. There was no negotiating anymore. He just took the blood and he went into the presence and he said, here's the price. Now, give me what is due to me. There's no negotiation. Because he fulfilled the commission that was upon him. My friends, I want to tell you, it's very dangerous to simplify the cross or become familiar with the work of Jesus that He did on it. If we do not fully understand what the cross did, we will fall into a curse and we will fail to receive our blessings. When I, when I, I grew up in India, we didn't really have money. So I used to have a mentality of poverty. It was not upon me because I had embraced it. It came upon me because of the type of nation I was living in. And my inability to have money because my father was a middle income earner. So when I went to the shops or when I did anything, I had a poverty mentality. Till I met Jesus. It took me some time with my walk with Jesus to understand that He is my provider. He gave it to me in a Rima word. 
So when he gave it to me in a real word, I began to understand that he is my provider. He translated into money. It translated into supply of goods. It translated into favor. It translated into blessings unknown that came out of the blue. So I didn't even ask for like what happened with Bob. And you know, that's the way of what happened on the cross. That he said, look, this Romans 4, 5 says, he justifies the ungodly. Get a hold of that. I'm telling you, get a hold of that. He, he justifies the ungodly person. An ungodly person is a, a wicked heathen who's absolutely rejected by God. Not even worth a piece of dirt in his sight. But Jesus changed. He said, no, no, no. They are worth something. I'm going for them. He justified the ungodly because the ungodly believes in God. Okay? For the first time, the ungodly wakes up out of his drug stupor, out of his drunkenness, out of his stupidity, out of his foolishness. He opens his mind and he says, no, hang on a second. There is a God who can get me out of this situation. For the first time, it is all his stupor. He doesn't have a whole lot of understanding. But he does have something. A little bit of the knowledge of God. And he believes. You do not have. Because you do not ask. And you do not receive. Because you do not believe. Do you think you can be free from anything that bothers you? In my opinion, absolutely. Why so? Because that's what the Word of God tells me. Secondly, because I've gone through that process myself. A drug addict, an alcoholic, going mad. Get picked out of the pit of hell. Shown that that's what has happened. And then says to me, I am Jesus, whom you have been worshipping in the form of godliness. Because we were Christians, we went to church. And that's what I'm afraid for some of us. That we are worshipping God in the form of godliness. And then he said, look, I've given you this. This is for you. Salvation. See, sometimes it's too big to receive. Salvation is too big to receive. How can, how can someone love me the way I am? Even now, after becoming a Christian, there are people, there are Christians asking the question, because we know the kind of person that we are, the evil that is in our heart, and say, how can God love me? He said, because I justify the ungodly. Now, how do you justify it? By the blood, by the exchange of the cross. There is no negotiation on it. Devil, I justify Chris. I justify Anoja. You cannot touch them because I justify them. And the devil's gnashing his teeth, coming at them, coming at you because he wants to get you. And he's saying, no, 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 I must get this person. There's all this thing in the past. He said, sorry, that's in the past. My blood justifies them. Yes, I mean. yeah. Amen. 
away with you. And suddenly you come into the fullness of the realization of His love. That whilst we were yet sinners, huh, do you know that this is still valid after you became a Christian? Because you can still be a sinner. Have you sinned recently? I know you're going to say no. You'll be a liar if you say that. And then you'll be guilty of the sin of a liar. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all had something in our hearts that have not been approved by God. That's a black spot. We need to confess. Repent. Don't fall from your first love because of that black spot. Here you've got Lord, 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 and this side you've got this huge black spot. Ain't gonna work, man. Ain't gonna work with God. Might work with you, but not with God. Christians are suffering unnecessarily. If we ignore the cross, we ignore the very reason for its existence. It's still there. The cross is still there. Only the person on the cross is not there. It's a gateway into the blessings of Abraham through Christ Jesus that you no longer need to be under a curse. The devil can no longer say you are an idiot, no longer come and do anything against you because now the blood of Jesus Christ is covering you and you have appropriated it, you have accepted it, you have said yes, I was a sinner, I am no longer a sinner and if I sin with the God, God today I have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous and he will speak on my behalf if I repent. Till today, that hand of grace of God is extended to this world and said, My grace is sufficient for you, come. But they're not coming. They're not coming. Because something worse has to come before they will come. Yes. The exchange on the cross made a gateway for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on all who believe and receive Him. You have to believe and you have to receive. You cannot just believe. So Paul in Acts 19, he's walking around, he sees some of the disciples of John the Baptist and he says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? See, they believe but they have not received because they said, we don't even know there's someone called the Holy Spirit. Then he lays hands on them and they begin to speak in other tongues and prophesy. You know, when the Holy Spirit came on us, God sealed us. Mark, Ephesians 1.13, we are sealed. Let's have a quick look at that. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. It's very important to understand this. Ephesians 1.13. <laughs> In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. After you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. There's a seal upon you. You see, when the devil comes, he bypasses the people who are 
sealed with the Holy Spirit because he knows he's going to get whacked if he comes to that. <laughs> so he deceives, he lies, he plays with your mind, right? Through your senses. That's how he gets into your mind, through your senses. And then he says, oh, hang on a second, you know, da, da, da. So, no, you don't believe all that rubbish. I believe in what the Word of God says. You know that the seal of God is upon us because of many, many reasons which we won't get into today. It's a covering. Let's put it down that way. It's a covering. You know what the governments of the world are doing today? They want to mark you too. They want to mark you so that there's a covering over you about what it is that they want to do to you. Be extremely careful from now on. I'm warning you as the pastor of the church. From now on, be extremely careful how you lend yourself to the rules and regulations of this world. It'll be very, very subtle, extremely subtle. And you know what you will say? That if I don't do what they say, I cannot buy or eat. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. Yeah. But if you forget the exchange on the cross, God is your provider, your protector, your future, your hope, yeah. your everything, your salvation, not only now, but for eternity. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? If you forget that somehow, and that's, the, that's where the devil will come and take that from you. You say, your husband will tell the wife, no, I'm going to follow the government because I cannot feed you. The wife will tell the husband, what about my kids? So you better accept what the government says and take the mark. Then in Korea, they, the Japanese came and they got a hold of this family. They were killing all the Christians. And they said to the father, Three children, mother, all little babies said, deny Jesus or we bury you alive. So the mother pleaded with the father. Who are you going to plead with? What are you going to do? See? You might think, I'm going to stand strong, I'm going to say no. Well, that's the test at that time. And you know why that test comes? It's because of what God built in you all the years up to that test. To see whether you have been receiving the seeds of His Word that He has been telling you, or you have been using it to only get yourself a better life on this earth. That your problems get fixed up by God on this earth. You're not worried about what is coming up. So the father said no. And in their society, in their culture, whatever the father says goes. Even unto death. So they buried them alive. They all died. It didn't have a happy ending. It didn't have a happy ending. So I know you're looking for a happy ending. We have crossed the bridge of happy endings. There's no going back to what the world was before, no way. 
you're sitting in your lounge room and looking at all the starving people, people killing, being killed by war, and the only thing that concerns us is what is going to happen to me. If you believe on the cross, what is going to happen to you has already been determined. So you don't have to worry about what is happening. Because it's already been determined. The cross is the gateway to victory in every sense. Mental, physical, emotional and spiritual. It covers the whole. Yeah. You see, <laughs> Paul says, what is it that Christ ascended? But that he descended first in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 9. What does he mean? He said, no, he went into the pit of hell first. He didn't go to heaven first. He went into the pit of hell first. Okay? And there he dealt with certain things. Yeah. Right there in hell. There was this lady called Bilkis Sheikh from Pakistan, a minister's wife, a beautiful lady who met the Lord sovereignly by herself. And one of the days I was listening to her testimony, she said, Father, if you send me to hell, I'll go. I said, whoa, stop all the horses right here. I'm not going to hell, what's she talking about? Then the Holy Spirit said, go and read the Bible. Because it says that I will not allow your soul to suffer in hell. Twice, Old Testament and New Testament. So Jesus is in hell. He's not suffering. He's sorting the devil out there. And he's telling, listen, man, I've come to get the keys. You've got to give it to me now. I've come to get the keys. Then what did he do? If you keep on reading Ephesians, he takes the keys and he gives it to you. Right? He, he doesn't keep it. He gives the keys to you. In Matthew 16, 9, he said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of Exactly. He gives it to you. Then he says he gives gifts to the church. Apostles, teachers, pastors, evangelists and prophets to the church. Now he's giving gifts to the church. Now these guys are meant to do the edification, perfection and the works of the ministry and teach others the exchange on the cross. That's our job. Your job is to receive the message, get changed in yourself, and then you preach the message. Amen? So, this woman, Belkis Sheikh, said this, and I said, man, what is she talking about? And that's when I got the understanding that God will not keep you in your situation when you cry out to Him. Now we've got the keys. What do we do with the keys? We put it in our pocket and forget about it. Because you don't know how to use the key and you don't know which key goes to which door. So you need training, you need understanding. But one of the things it does is that the moment you receive the keys, you exchange it on the cross for your burdens. The burden of life, 
right? You just exchange it. Because now what has happened is all the burdens are in hell. So Matthew 11, 28 to 30, Jesus says, throw your burdens onto me. Why is he saying that? It's an interesting concept. Right? I take my burden and I go and throw it on Jesus. Say so here, here's my pornography. Here's my fornication. Here's my drug addiction. Here's my bad thoughts. Here's my unforgiveness. Here's my emotional disturbance. Here's my lack of money. Here's this, here's that. All your burdens, not just one, cast all your burdens on Right? You have the right to take filth. Okay? Absolute filth. Dumb. And you got the right to take it and go across to purity and put it on purity. Yeah. You have the right. Sure. The devil says, no, 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 that's your dumb. What is you trying to put it on purity? You're a condemned person. No, I'm not. I'm taking my burdens and I'm putting it on Christ. Jesus could not be tainted by sin. But in the Bible it tells us that a body was prepared for him. He said, I have come to do your will, O God. A body hast thou prepared for me. So now you've got a pit. Listen to this. You've got a pit called hell. Okay? Where the body is. That body of Christ. It was prepared for him. So just think of it as like something he put on. All the sins of the world, past, present and future was put on it. He took it and he put it in hell. That's, that, that's, the, that's the garbage disposal. All the garbage is in there. Right? Then he comes out of hell with the keys and he gets a resurrected body. New body, you're going to get one too. Yeah. If you're thinking you're overweight now, don't worry, in the next life you won't be. But don't let your overweight kill you in this life. So the body of sin remained in hell. Romans 6 6. Let's go to the Romans chapter 6, verse. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. Wow. So, nice looking bird, exposing her body, beautiful, young, good looking, comes along and says, Hey man, you want a night out with me? I said, who are you talking to? I'm talking to you. No, you can't be talking to me. No, I'm talking to you. No, I'm not. You can't be talking to me. Because I'm dead. You can't be talking to the dead. I'm dead. What you're offering me is also dead. Why are you offering me dead things? You see, temptation 
It's full of just great things. <laughs> the devil tried to tempt Jesus. He said, make bread and eat. He said, what are you talking about? I am the bread of life. Why am I going to make dead things? Bread is not going to keep you alive. Your bank balance is not going to keep you alive. Right? It's not going to give you eternal salvation. So why are you bothered about it? You've got eternal life. Now, not someday when you go to heaven. Now it's operating in you. Right now, because of what Jesus did in the cross. You're free. Be free. So remind yourself, I'm free. Right? So he says, now the body of sin is there. So what body do we come up with? Let's go to Philippians 73. Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. Let's begin at 20. It says, For our conversation is in heaven. The disconversation means confession. For our confession is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our wild body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. According to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Now he has a glorious body. Guess what? You have a glorious body. Okay, the old body is now in hell and burning there and rotting there. And now you've got a glorious body and you're walking with Jesus in you. Amen. But the way that the devil works is to bring all the past back again. Jesus took all the sins, past, present and future. But you've got to know how to hand it over to Him. So that you can be justified when you are ungodly. By believing that you can go to Christ and confess your sin and be removed from that sin. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost and He is willing to set you free because you confess, because you believe. See, it's a simple thing. It's only a simple thing. He's all he's asking you to do is believe. But the believing has to it, attached to it, a way of life. That way of life is confession, repentance, acceptance, and maturity, growing. So you don't sin again. You don't willingly go back to the thing again and again and again. Because you love God. Because you want to keep His commandments. Because you want to follow righteousness. Because you want holiness. Because you want purity. It's not about, oh, I want another job, I want more money. Or the... No, no, no. These are more valuable than anything in this world. You don't, you don't get them from this world. They're not even of this world. Holiness and righteousness and love of God is not from this world. You cannot do good works and become holy. You just wear yourself out. You have to receive it from heaven. You have to ask and receive 
and believe and walk in it, then you are justified. This is the amazing gift of righteousness. Just simply because you believe and have faith. The cross is righteousness. You know, one of the things that come to us in our understanding is carrying one another's burdens. And Jesus says, cast your burdens upon me. Take my yoke and my burden. It is easy and my burden is light. Yeah. I was meditating upon that verse. And I realized what he was saying was this. I'll take the heavy part, you take the light part. I'll take the heavy part, you take the light part. And we'll walk in this thing together. What's the heavy part? What you cannot carry? What you do not want to carry? What is bothering you? That's what, what the heavy part is. And he said, I'll take it. Give it to me. And I'll give you the easy part. You're still co-workers. You're still walking together. You're still doing things together. And he, he understands. Believe me. Believe me, he understands you. You cannot even get to the depth of your own mind, but he can. And from within he will start to answer you like never before. And you will begin to see the light and you will head towards the cross because that's the gateway into the light. And you no longer need to worry about any kind of illness, sickness, disease or anything that comes your way, financial loss or offense or whatever it is, oppression, depression. The devil comes and stares at you in the face and, and you know like this morning uh, Isaac said, you know I woke up in the middle of the night, this probably happened to him the first time. He was very upset about it and he said, and I saw the devil's face. I said, the devil doesn't have a face. <laughs> The devil doesn't have a face. He's been eradicated. He said, what about all the evil in the earth and what is going on? Yes, we know where that is coming from and why it is there. But to you, the Christian, okay, listen to this, to you, the Christian, to the one who believes, he is nothing. He may come, he may try all this stuff, put thoughts in your head through your senses and other things. He cannot do enough. He's defeated. He's broken. He's burning in that fire. The cross and the blood are two definite weapons. And the cross speaks of obedience and humility, even unto death. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Jesus went to the cross in obedience and humility even unto the death of the cross. So what are you bringing to the cross? That is the bottom line question today. We're going to close the meeting in a minute. I'm going to ask for an altar call. 
what are you going to bring to the cross? Think about it. Something that you need to confess. Something that is a burden upon you that you cannot carry. Whatever form it is, sickness, mental health, I don't care what it is. It was all taken on the cross. All thrown into the pit of hell. Why do you need to carry it? Why do you need to carry it? What is so important about it that you need to carry it? Ah, but Pastor, you don't know the things that have happened to me and the things people have said and the kind of sickness I have and you know, it is this, it is that. <coughs> I probably don't know. I probably don't know and I probably couldn't understand most of it. I will try. But what you will try to do with me is that you will try to get me to carry your burdens. That's why you are engaging me. When I became the pastor of the church in Newtown, Square, I said to the people, all five of them, if you bring me a burden, I said, the first thing I will do is take it to Jesus. The second thing I will do is tell you the answer he gives me. And then it's up to you. If you don't like the answer, don't beat me up. But people do. Because I am the object in front of them. Instead of that, just take the burden and give it to Christ. What are you going to bring to the cross today? And then, when you come to this cross, and then you leave your burden there, you take up your cross and follow Jesus. What is that? <coughs> Absolute assurance that what you left there will never come back on you. It's an exchange. It's been painful. The blood of Jesus Wash your body, soul, and spirit. All three. You don't have to carry it anymore. You want to. You want to. Because if you let it go, you will let go of your comfort zone. You let go of the very thing that gives life to your flesh. That's why you can't let it go. And today I break that bondage of you in the name of Jesus. I declare and decree that you are free to come to the cross and hand over your burdens and walk away without anything more burdening you.
So if you have a situation, no matter what it is, that is burdening you. See, when I carried the burden of my, my wife, in the early stages, it was not easy. But then I said to myself, if I don't carry it, who will? Bear ye one another's burdens. Yes. Jesus didn't say bear his burden. You couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know where you're going to carry his burden. So he said bear ye one another's burdens. Well, guess what? Who had to die? I had to die. It's no use expecting my wife to die. I have to die. But it's a slow death. It's a painful death. Because the eye is always kicking in and saying, no, I no 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 no. But today you can be free. I know I got free long time ago. I got free long time ago. I don't worry about money, I don't worry about anything, relationships. Any more offenses? People come say this, that, and I think about it and say which one is which? Is it the devil? Is it man? Is there because of some hurt in them? They're doing this or whatever, and I just leave it at that. But I go back to the cross and I say, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to do? He says, Love, love, in a way you've never loved before, and that is death to self. Death to self. You gotta let this mind. You know, stop dictating its terms with you. Because that's what it's doing. It's dictating the terms with you. And the devil's playing with your mind. Say, no, you will never make it. You will never come out of this problem. You'll always be there. They will always... Forget it, man. Not interested. I'm accepted in heaven. I'm beloved in heaven. And I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. But when I do, I go to the cross. I go to the cross. Yeah. So the time has come. If you let me, I'll keep talking. Stand up. If you're going to come to the cross, come. Is there some music we can play in the background? Yeah? We need to pray. This morning, but I know there are many here today who need the salvation of Jesus. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you need to this morning to appropriate the victory of the cross. If you are backslidden, you're no longer walking with Jesus, but living in your difficulty and problems. Not believing, not trusting. You too need to come. But if you have a burden this morning, 